0: Want to be the first to know when new forces for nature episodes come out, sign up for the newsletter on our website, www.forcesfornature.com. You can find the sign-up link at the bottom of the webpage or in the about section. When you do, you'll also receive a free checklist of easy practical actions for nature that you can start taking today. I can't wait to connect with you. I'm Crystal DiMicelli, and welcome to the Forces for Nature show. Do you find yourself overwhelmed with all the doom and gloom you hear of these days? Do you feel like you, as just one person, can't really make a difference? Forces for Nature cuts through that negativity. In each episode, I interview someone who's doing great things for animals and the environment. We talk through the problem they're addressing, the solution they have found, We'll keep some going, and we'll leave you with practical action tips so that you, too, can become a force for nature. Today's guest is Deva Holub from the Sanctuary Animal Place. She helps run their Food for Thought program, which works with groups to adopt plant-based policies for their events. In no way is this program about guilting you for eating meat. Rather, it's focused on aligning organizations' events with their missions. The idea really resonated with me, and I was excited to sit down with Deva and learn more. Hi, Deva. Thank you so much for joining me on Forces for Nature. It's so great to have you.
1: Thank you. It's really wonderful to be on with you today.
0: So, Deva, there's been a growing movement towards reducing one's consumption of animal based products for humane, environmental, social, and health reasons. Can you help to explain what are some of the impacts of eating animal products? Um, some of the largest impacts
1: that we see are related to our health, to the environment. Even if you don't even look at the ethical implications, we all recognize as farm animals and cows, pigs, and chickens to be sentient animals. They feel pain. They have very strong familial bonds, just like we do. Um, when it comes to environmental impacts, uh, animal agriculture is the leading cause of greenhouse gases, which we know is the number one cause of climate change. Water pollution is a huge issue when it comes to. Um, animal agriculture and how these animal products are procured. Um, When it comes to our health, the majority of animal products that we eat, they lead to things like uh, heart disease, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, a lot of the health impacts that are affecting a lot of Americans. Uh, A lot of people all around the world, but especially we see it a lot in a lot of people in our country these days.
0: Now Animal Place has a new program called Food for Thought. That encourages organizations to adopt plant-based menus for their events. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, food for thought. It's it's actually not a new campaign. Um, so we've been in operation, yeah. So we've been in operation for about over five years. But the food for thought campaign, primarily, we work with nonprofit organizations. We focus mostly on uh, animal shelters, humane societies, SPCAs. Um, We also work with environmental groups, uh, wildlife conservation groups, and also social justice groups. And what we do is we encourage them to develop policies that are more closely aligned with their missions. So as an animal shelter, you are rescuing and caring for animals. So when it comes to caring for animals, we just want shelters to kind of recognize that disconnect of some of them deserve to be cared for, and then some of them end up as food on the plates at the events that they hold.
0: Okay, I can see the connection there. So how come environmental organizations or social organizations, what do you say to them that they should have a plant-based menu?
1: That's that's an excellent point. Yeah, so similar with you know, an animal organization that's advocating for animals, if you have, you have an environmental group that's advocating for the environment, the top producers of greenhouse gases, which are leading to climate change, the effects of climate change, cattle, beef, dairy cows, the manufacturing of these products is putting a tremendous strain on our environment. Uh, water pollution, again ocean dead zones like we see a lot of impacts from how we are raising animals for food. And so as an environmental organization, you would never think about having plastic cutlery at your event that everyone's just going to use once and throw away. Right? That's that's not a sustainable measure to have at your event. So just like that is taken into consideration, that's what we try to address with environmental groups, social justice groups, the human impacts of working in these types of slaughterhouses or factory farms has a tremendous impact on humans' uh, mental states. People who work on these in these factory farms they they suffer from high incidence of PTSD, also all kinds of injuries. So definitely human human rights is a, is a big issue when it comes comes to that. And we're seeing that now during this pandemic with COVID-19. We're seeing how it's had a tremendous effect on people who are working the lines in these manufacturing plants. So that's another reason why social justice is a, is just another set of nonprofits that are, it's really important to just align more with our values.
0: That's actually a really great point with what's going on right now with COVID. Yeah. And I think it's an area people don't really normally give much thought to either. Um, so it's kind of surprising. Yeah. This can be a touchy subject for some people for a variety of reasons. How do you address it without getting shut down?
1: Oh yes. Yes. And I've probably encountered a lot of them. And I and, and we do, we do get shut down. We very much try to adhere to a people are at different places when it comes to personally how they feel about these things. What we emphasize is that it's not about your personal choices. It's about what your, you as an organization are putting forth to your community. And if you are an organization that's representing animals, the environment, public health, you need to establish policies that are going to support your mission. So talking to people, we, we definitely, we respect where they're coming from. I work in, in areas that, you know, I speak to shelters in North Carolina, West Virginia, like these are very rural areas where they don't have, you know, a great vegan cafe that they can just run down to and, and, and pick up a veggie burger. You know, in a lot of these places, the best they can do is maybe a Burger King or they have their grocery store down the road. So we definitely just try to meet people where they're at. And I know my, my teammates feel this way, too. I love to talk to people and hear more about their organization, um, how it got started, who are the other people they're working with, the types of events that they do, and just offer just little bits that might help them. You know, it doesn't have to be an overnight success where all of a sudden they've just eliminated all animal products from their events. I completely support sort of transitional phases, and and that's what we really work towards. I mean, we love to have the group just being in events and that's it, but we understand that that's not realistic for everybody, so we definitely will take those baby steps with them and support them as best that we can.
0: I totally agree with that approach. I don't think anybody really, I think very few people just dive straight into a big change it's it, baby steps is the way to get to many different behavior changes or results yeah so absolutely I'm totally with you there now do these events also have an educational component in other words maybe there's a small sign at the table explaining what they save by eating plant-based that evening or yeah we
1: actually we encourage that we also offer like a little package that includes a little a little table card that uh, a group could put out and what it has on it for a 150 person event like if you have 150 people at your event you are saving up to 50 farmed animal lives so that's 50 chickens cows pigs just by serving plant-based foods at this one event with 150 people you're saving up to 2000 pounds of grains 55,000 gallons of water. I mean, and that's just some of the, the stuff that we could fit on a tiny table card. But we absolutely want, it, want to, you know, do our best to use education to, to make it more effective for people in understanding why this organization has chosen to adopt
0: a plant based policy. I know this campaign is not just... You guys standing on the rooftop saying, you guys should all adopt plant-based events. You, you, ha- you offer tangible services in order to get organizations to that place. Absolutely. What are some of the services that you offer? Majority of what we offer
1: is consultations, just individual, one-on-one, talking to the people about their organizations, areas in which we think that they can improve when it comes to event planning. We have grants that we offer. So we have our vegan event grant. So for an organization that's hosting their very first all vegan, all plant based event, we will fund up to $1,000 that can go towards the food that they're going to serve. Basically, we create resources when an organization needs them. Because as I said, every group is just a little bit different. So Something that works for a group in, you know, Manhattan is not going to work for a group in Berkeley County, West Virginia. The, the rural and the more city ones are going to need different types of resources. But event planning is a huge,
0: a huge thing that we offer. So it's, it's almost personalized for organization. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Now, are there really enough delicious vegetarian and vegan options out there to have an event rather than just finger foods? Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I've, I've been to large conferences. I've been to, you know, more intimate galas. And yes, there's definitely a lot of food that can be had a lot of delicious food. One of my favorite things, it was the New England um, Federation Conference. They did like a Chinese food spread. So you, you know, you had some teriyaki tofu. You had some lo mein, you had some fried rice, you know. So you can, I mean, you can take any sort of meal and make it plant-based. And we see, like, within just the last couple of years, this explosion of plant-based meats, beyond meat, the impossible meat. You know, we got tofurkey products, field roast products, but there are so many there are so many wonderful meals that can be made nowadays Especially with the replacements, I mean, you can you can make meatballs. You know, you can have that pasta bar and have uh, veggie meatballs instead of instead of the traditional beef meatballs.
0: Yeah, I was I was just playing devil's advocate with that question <laughs> um, because I mean, just this year, the Oscars, Critics' Choice Awards, Golden Glo- Globes—they were all plant-based. So. I'm going to assume that they give some pretty good meals at those events. Oh, yes. So, since yeah, since that had taken place, have you seen more interest in the campaign since then? We did. We saw more
1: openness, more willingness to kind of hear what we had to say. But yeah, it definitely helps to have like these larger, more elegant events like the Oscars and all of that to showcase plant-based food is delicious, can be high scale, can be, you know, just some burgers and fries.
0: Now, since the pandemic has started and events really aren't taking place, have you seen a change in, in how you're promoting the campaign or in in what's been going on? absolutely.
1: So we've focused, um, we've definitely pulled back from highlighting events and just speaking on the food at events. What we're really trying to bring home, especially when we see what this pandemic or like where this pandemic is really stemming from the aftermath that we're seeing with you know the disruptions in our food lines which is then causing just millions upon millions of animals to just be just be slaughtered because there's no there's no one working the lines anymore. So we definitely are taking the approach of that. These are policies that are just ethical for an organization to commit to, especially nonprofits that are supporting animals, the environment and human rights. Like, this is a very simple and easy policy that can be adopted in really supporting your mission of the work that you do.
0: And now, do you know how the reception of these new policies have been received by by the donors? Are Are some donors pushing back or saying, oh, your event doesn't have stakes, so I'm not coming?
1: Yeah, the majority of what we hear is that while they do get a few kind of disgruntled supporters or donors, the majority of people, while they personally may not be plant-based at home, uh, they are in complete support and they trust the organization that they care about to make the best decision for that organization. In fact, uh, an organization, after they adopted their formal policy, their formal plant-based policy, they actually received six-figure donation simply because they had adopted a plant-based policy. Wow,
0: that's that's a great
1: surprise. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it's not common.
0: I'm sure it's not, but it's still a great anecdote to share. Uh, Speaking of anecdotes, do you have any others that you can tell from your time on this campaign? Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's a story that I tend to always tell shelter folks when I meet them. Is that um, part of being a coordinator? One of our jobs is, if it's geographically feasible, to do on-site shelter visits, so that you know we can talk to leadership in person. So, one shelter that I was communicating with, uh, they were really excited to have me come out. the The executive director had ordered this whole vegan lunch spread for for her staff to enjoy um, while I came out and gave a humane education presentation to her staff, because she really wanted she wanted them to have more background as to why she felt it was important that for staff events, for external events, that they do adhere to a vegan policy so that only foods that didn't contain any animal products were present. And I, I gave the humane education presentation, and a lot of great feedback and conversations resulted with the staff who really, you could tell they never Really put that together, just like the plight of farmed animals, and how it is very similar to the animals that end up in the shelters, like the cats and dogs. Like, and they—they're animal lovers. They're animal caretakers. They don't want to see any animal hurt. So after the presentation, the executive director, uh, she was like, "Oh, you got you got it. You got to meet someone. You got to meet someone." And so she comes back, and she's got this little pot-bellied pig, and she's like, "This is Piggy Smalls." And I'm like, oh I've never I've I've seen pawmeling pigs, but I'd never had the opportunity to like hold one before. And he was um so he had come into the shelter because the family that he was with, their property wasn't zoned for for that type of animal. So so he wasn't really allowed to be on their property. So they had to surrender him to the shelter. So it was really fun to meet him. And then I was also introduced to uh, two rescue dogs, Hope and Faith. And Hope and Faith had recently been rescued from a dog meat farm in, I believe it was South Korea. And um, the, the woman that worked there, she does a lot of uh, joint efforts with the Humane Society International to do these, these rescues of these dogs that are kept on these, on these farms, and so hope and faith were brought back to that shelter and I got to meet them and they were just getting used to like people. They were getting used to people treating them with love. And so it was really just, it was really eye-opening to be with these two animals like piggy smalls. Generally in our society, pigs are considered to be food, right? And, and hope and faith in our society, they're comp- They're considered companions, they're dogs, they're our friends, but the circumstances that they came from, they were just flipped because hope and faith came from a country where they were considered food animals. And then Piggy Smalls was just, he was just somebody's pet. Then they couldn't keep him because, you know, where they live just doesn't recognize pigs as appropriate companion animals, which is, you know, ridiculous because they're, they're just like dogs. So that's, that's, like, that's a story that I also love to incorporate in any presentations that I do because it really just highlights, you don't know who's coming into your shelter and you don't know where they're coming from and what that experience is for them and how different societies view and treat animals. So maybe we should all get on the same page and treat them the same.
0: It really highlights just the very thin line mm-hmm. between companion animals and food animals or yeah. or what people consider food animals. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, no, happy to.
0: So the organization behind all of this is Animal Place. Can you tell me a little bit about Animal Place?
1: Yes. Animal Place is an amazing organization. So Animal Place is a farmed animal sanctuary. Are located in Grass Valley, California, which is just north of Sacramento. And 600 acres, animals live there from all different kinds of rescue situations. Uh, if you ever have the opportunity to visit, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous location. We also run an education and rescue space in Petaluma, California. And we also have a little vegan grocery store in Berkeley, California called Vegan Republic. And all the proceeds from the grocery store is directed right back to the sanctuary.
0: All right, perfect. Now, how can the listeners support the Food for Thought campaign and Animal Place?
1: Donations, volunteering when when we are op- when we are allowed to open back up, but definitely sharing sharing our stories, joining our advocate list. The Food for Thought campaign has uh, an advocate list where we'll send out just action alerts. We'll keep in touch with the news of the day and what, what, what we're doing. We're always looking for just volunteers and community members to help us do outreach in their local areas, because we are a remote team, so we can't be on the ground at every, in every state to really see like locally what these groups are doing. So we really rely on our community of advocates to be supportive in that work.
0: And how can the listener go about planning their own plant-based event, maybe a wedding or a birthday party or just a sit-down dinner? I, I know this is outside of your mission, but are there any resources that you can suggest to help with that?
1: Um, I mean, there are so many wonderful blogs nowadays. Plant-Based on a Budget is a really great uh, just website. And she also has a book that she wrote last year. It has a bunch of recipes, like really affordable recipes. But if you have an event planner, just talk to them about how you can maybe change to plant-based. Really, it's so much easier these days. And I guarantee you, you probably have a friend who is (laughs) (laughs) plant-based or has looked into it. Mm So definitely use your use your community for help.
0: Okay. And how can people get more information about Food for Thought and Animal Place?
1: If you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh foodforthoughtcampaign.org and then animalplace.org are our websites.
0: I will put all this information in the show notes so that people can find the links to to find out more information. Excellent. So, Deva, thank you so much for chatting with me today, and thank you for all that you do. You're making a difference.
1: Thank you. This was really wonderful. It was a wonderful opportunity to speak with you today.
0: What drew me to this campaign was its simplicity. It's not about making you feel guilty for being a meat eater. Not at all. It's focused on aligning the missions of organizations with the events that they hold, which to me makes sense. And although they focus on animal shelters, environmental and wildlife NGOs, and social justice groups, they are open to working with any organization or business who's interested. In fact, they've worked with an art gallery and a yoga studio already. So give them a call, start a conversation, find out how easy it can be and how many lives can be saved by leaving animal products out of your next event. Don't forget to go to forcesfornature.com and sign up to receive weekly show notes, action tips, and be included in monthly giveaways. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to go to your podcast platform and please rate and review it. And don't forget to subscribe to never miss a new one. Hit me up on Instagram and Facebook and let me know what actions you've been taking. Adopting just one habit can be a game changer because imagine if a billion people also adopted that. What difference for the world are you going to make today?